We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to Setting the Pace. Now, here's your hosts, Alex Golden and Michael J. Fauci. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. And joining me, as he does every week, is the one and only the great Michael J. Fauci. Fauci, what's going on, brother? Nothing much, Alex. Always happy to be here, but uh, there is a little unsettling feeling in Pacer Nation and uh, some rumors that we're going to have to address. And we're also still looking for that head coach, so a lot going on here. <laughs> Absolutely. So where do you want to start? You want to start rumors? You want to start coaching? Uh, where do you want to start? A lot a lot happened on Monday. Let's go with the, the rumors of uh, a Victor Oladipo, because there's been some comments that recently leaked uh, from uh, Jared Weiss from The Athletic. Actually tried to get him on the show. Unfortunately, he was unable to. That would have been really cool, but there's still a lot to talk about here regarding his comments about Oladipo. Yeah, no, that's for sure. And he, he basically just said that he's going to refrain from talking about it. Let the comments speak for themselves. Uh, the report speak for itself. And if you guys read that report, basically I, I tweeted it out yesterday because I know a lot of people don't pay for the athletic and it's really only a dollar. It's not, it's not that big of a deal, but I, I went out yesterday just to kind of see what he said exactly, because I was really intrigued by everything that was going on. And it really didn't sound like too much. Basically he said, I'll read the clip real quick. He said, Then there are the other uh, members of the best five. Hayward won't be opting out of his contract unless he has a long-term extension in place, which will be hard for a 30-year-old with a concerning injury history. Indiana is still home for the Haywards, and with Victor Oladipo looking to move on this offseason, according to sources, and Miles Turner possibly in the same boat, there could be an opportunity for Ainge to move Hayward in the abundance of draft picks and his war chest in a mutually agreeable way. And so basically what he was saying is, 
Gordon Hayward makes sense for the Pacers. And Oladipo and Turner are on the trade market. Jay Michael came out and said he can confirm what is going on uh, or can can confirm those can confirm those reports from Jared Weiss. So really, like people are like, oh, it's a Boston Celtics reporter. What does he know? But I really do believe that this is news going around the league right now. I do also. Now, in terms of, you know, what Jared knows, I don't know if he really knows anything other than what he's kind of hearing through the rumbles. But I do feel like there are some legs to this rumor. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, all signs point to Vic kind of lost his smile a little bit halfway through the season. I mean, we, we've we heard various reports where it kind of feels like maybe he wants to, A, you know, ask for a trade, B, maybe not re-sign after the season. But we have not heard that he wants to be here long term. We're not hearing those reports come out that are refuting these rumors. Mm-hmm. I, that That's the thing that's a little bit alarming is we're not hearing that's a false report. You know, Victor's very happy in Indiana and, you know, can't wait. We're, we're not hearing anything of the sort. And it's rough. It's a business. And the Pacers have to protect themselves. If we're going to look at every single route coaching-wise – and we have to look at every single route in regards to Victor Oladipo, whether it's signing him again, whether it is, you know, looking for a trade, that we have to pursue all avenues. Well, that's that's a great point, Fachi. And I, and I think one thing that people forget, this is Oladipo's camp putting out this, putting out this stuff. It, it's nobody else. Nobody's just speculating things. They wouldn't be just coming out, especially a respected reporter like Jared Weiss. I've, I've actually talked with Jared before going back four or five years ago when I was doing a normal NBA podcast, and Jared was very knowledgeable. I think he was only covering the Celtics for, like, uh, Celticsblog.com or something like something like that. But, no, Jared's with The Athletic. He wouldn't come out and just say this if he didn't believe that he had enough sources to back it up. And, I, and I'm just telling you right now, I really believe that this is Victor Oladipo's doing so. His camp is trying to get his name out there. They're trying to get flyers out there to see who is, you know, interested in him because – he doesn't necessarily want to be here, and that that hurts to hear as a Pacer fan. I get it. This is a guy you embraced two years ago when he was traded for Paul George. The guy that said, this is my city, came out and basically said, I want to be here for the long haul. I went to IU. I'm just I'm dedicated to the state. And then something changed, and it, and it all kind of happened during the injury, during the comeback process. So if you're if you're the Pacers, you're not going to come out and say, "Oh, we're going to trade Oladipo." They're not going to really, you know, like you said, refute these reports. I, I think the only time I've ever even heard that was Kevin Pritchard came on and said, "Well, you hear all this stuff from other people, but you never hear it from sources in Indiana." Well, that's because nobody in Indiana is going to say that because nobody's getting those sources, right? So <laughs> it's like um, it's 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 frustrating. I know as a fan because you really are trying to find someone to cling on to. But to be honest with you. As much as I love Oladipo as a player and I want him to be here long term, he's had one good year here. That's it. One good year. I know he was an all-star the year he got hurt. He was voted into the all-star game by the coaches. I'm sorry. He was not having a good year in 2018, 2019. It was not a good year for him. 17-18 was his best year, and he has regressed since then. I like Oladipo. If he's healthy, I want him to be here. But if he's going to have this kind of attitude and be this kind of person – I say good riddance to you and, and find the right people to get in here. Definitely. Like, look, hey, I own an Oladipo jersey. I've represented Oladipo since the day that he's came in here. Try to have him, you know, fill the shoes of Paul George, and as have every Pacers fan. But we have to be honest with each other. You, you Like you mentioned, you don't want to see 
stars come and go. I saw all the memes on there, how it just seems like, you know, every good Pacer player, once they're entering a contract year, you know, are they going to are they going to remain there? Or are they going to be on the move? But when you mentioned about Oladipo, that 2017-2018 that year, I mean, we're always going to remember that. It was magical. I mean, the pay- expectations for the Pacers were pretty low. And, you know, he changed a lot of that single-handedly. But mm-hmm. he, he has regressed. This is a major injury that he's coming off of. A ruptured quad tendon is nothing to overlook. He missed over a year of basketball. And us Pacer fans felt the Pacers are doing the right thing. They're probably going to hold him out until he's 110%. Well, -hmm. when he came back, he did not look 110%. He didn't even look 80%. I'm going to be honest. It it looked rough at times. And there is no guarantee that he's going to regain that same all-star form as the past. And this money now, this isn't a four-year, $80 million contract that the Pacers are talking about that Oladipo signed last time in OKC. This is – you're looking at – Big time money. You're looking yeah. at that like Chris Middleton type money to the point where if he's not going to be not only the player that he was before, but better than that, then that contract could cripple the Pacers for years. Mm-hmm. And that is a scary thought. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great point. The contract is, is something the Pacers are going to have to say, are we willing to commit to this? And if I'm the Pacers, I'm a little hesitant because I don't want to give him a lot of money if he's not going to be the same guy he was. And especially if he's going to be a locker room problem. And I will say this. I do believe that whoever the new coach is, I think he will have some type of impact on on whether they decide to move on from Oladipo before the season or before the deadline or or wait till next season and do a sign-and-trade. Because I think, you know, I've come out and said that I think Chauncey Billups is going to get the the position of the Pacers head coach, right? So, you know, I I mean, if they go with Chauncey, that's somebody that Oladipo already has a relationship with. You can kind of hopefully maybe use that one year with Chauncey and Oladipo to try to build a relationship. And if Oladipo starts playing well and really trusts that Chauncey is a good coach that he can rely upon and trust in, then maybe you are don't have to make that move. And I know some fans would be like, God, we shouldn't wait that long. We should trade him before the season. I understand that logic, but I also understand, look, Oladipo still has to prove that he can be that guy. So if Oladipo still doesn't want to be here, come around the trade deadline next season, whenever that may be, if he's able to go out there and show for 40, 40 plus games that he's got something back, teams are going to be calling. And, and, and you're going to probably have the same teams calling that would be calling in the off season because more than likely, I think the teams that are going to be calling are teams that are looking to add a third star to their to their championship level team, or, or it's going to be a team that doesn't have any star that's trying that lives in a big market trying trying to make a splash, trying to go out and get someone that can make them better. So, really, Fudge, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just kind of like let's kind of just play by ear, but at the same time, I am intrigued to see what could be out there, and I think that's why we are going to do it later in our last segment today fake trade ideas for Victor Oladipo because we want to see what really is out there, not just for, you know, not with him and Turner, but just him by himself. And if there's any trades with Turner and him, whatever, but we really want to look at the trades that involve just him and see what the Pacers could realistically get in return. I think at this point, you know, hey, it's the off season. Why not have some fun? If, if there's going to be comments like Oladipo doesn't want to be here long term, then why not? Like you mentioned, let's see what we can get for him. And I think you and I put together some fun trades. Uh, I don't know what you have going on. You don't know what I have going on trade wise. No. 
But let's uh, let's scan the market and see what we got. And we would love to hear from listeners on which trades you're you're down for and which trades you know you want to give the thumbs down for because yeah. we've seen some crazy trades the last few weeks. Some of them <laughs> are absolutely ridiculous, and some of them are kind of like, hey, I'm kind of intrigued with that one. Yeah. So let's see where we fall in the middle with this episode. Yeah, and I will say this before we take a quick break here, Fotch. Yesterday we put out a tweet that said, hey, we want to hear from you. What's your best or worst Oladipo trade ideas that you've got? We had over 42 comments yesterday, so if you haven't, go over and check that uh, that tweet out on Twitter and just kind of scroll through the comments. But I, I do want to give a shout-out to a couple people that messaged me um, individually, and I really like this one. We'll just go ahead and throw this trade idea out there to get your mind thinking before we get into ours. But this comes from Josh Hanlon. You can find his Twitter at J0SH the Fox, and the, the zero is for the Fox as well there. But he came out today and said, what do you think of this trade? And the trade was Robert Covington and Karis LeVert to the Pacers with Turner going to the Rockets and Victor Lodipo going to the Nets. And I told him I actually liked that trade. I thought that made a lot of sense. And if you can basically replace, you know, Oladipo and Turner with uh, Covington and LeVert, no, you, you're probably not going to have as much star talent with Oladipo going out, but I think that those other two guys make a lot of sense with that starting lineup. I love me some Laverne. You're going to hear his name later in this episode. Covington uh, uh, Covington is valuable on any team mm-hmm. in the NBA, and that's where the luxury comes around, where you got Sabonis at center. Because, I mean, having two centers like, like Turner and Sabonis, it might make sense to the Pacers. It doesn't make sense to a lot of other teams. So uh, I would be intrigued with a more conventional lineup. You know, we need that. A guy like Covington seems very selfless. You know, he, he's really worked on his game. And Levert, I do think, has started to blossom into a very talented young player in this league. So I'm very intrigued by that trade. Yeah, I am too. So I'll give you one more real quick, and it's from Florida Stevie. Uh, which I really appreciate Florida Stevie. He's always sending me stuff and uh, talking about things. And one of the trade ideas he sent me was Oladipo and Turner going to the Celtics for Gordon Hayward, Romeo Langford, and three first-round draft picks in 2020. And, you know, I, the first thing I told him back was, I'm intrigued by this trade, but I'll be honest with you, I don't believe that the Pacers are, are going to trade both Victor and Miles to a, you know, a deep playoff team and have to deal with that for multiple years to come because – I don't think the Pacers want to look over in the Eastern Conference and see some two guys that they had, you know, really, you know, making a difference and possibly getting to the championship. Because if you add Victor with Kimba, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Daniel Tice, and Miles Turner, that's a really good core. And I just, I would, I would be surprised if the Pacers traded both of those players there. I could see maybe one, but I can't imagine them trading both guys there. Even if they do get three first-round picks for it, uh, the 14th pick in this draft, the, the the Celtics pick from this draft, and the Bucks pick from this draft, they're not good picks. So it's uh, it's one of those things where I would probably decline it. I think the Pacers would decline it, but I thought that was intriguing as well. Anytime you hear three first-round picks, it always is intriguing, especially when the Pacers don't have a first-round pick this year. Um, but, yeah, when you mention you know, trading all that talent to the Celtics – you know, especially a guy like Miles Turner's under contract for a few years. Ah, man, that might be a tipping scale because I think if you asked uh, Philly right now if they would have traded Jimmy Butler to the Heat, knowing what's happening right now, I don't know if they would have done that. No, trading a, a, a player like that in conference. I mean, the Heat are going to be a force to reckon with for years, and 
Philly helped make them. Yeah. So I don't want to make Boston. They're already on the cusp. I mean, they were, you know, just a couple wins away from going to the NBA Finals. So, ugh. I mean, if, if, if at least one of those picks isn't in the top ten, that, that's tough. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's definitely tough. So I'm not sure what you do there, but I like how people are looking at what Jared Weiss said and said, hey, maybe we can make some out of this. But when we come back, Lodger, we're going to look at the shooting guard. So we're going to talk Victor Oladipo heavy today. We're going to talk about Oladipo season, Jeremy Lamb season, uh, season, and Edmund Sumner's season and, and give them player grades in our next segment. So we'll be right back. Hope you guys enjoy this. Stay tuned. All right, everybody, we're back, and we're going to talk player grades in this segment. We're going to talk about Edmund Sumner, Victor Oladipo, and Jeremy Lamb. Fachi, where do you want to start? Uh, let's go with Edmund Sumner. Okay. I, I feel like Sumner is someone who uh, we saw a little bit of the highs and lows, and uh, you know, class is in session right now, so why not hand out a grade? We're looking at Edmund Sumner. You know, he's entering uh, his his third year, up uh, entering his fourth year in the league. Um, all with the Pacers, and it was someone coming off of a knee injury at Xavier. Otherwise, could have been a first-round pick. So while we did see, you know, Sumner establish a few career highs, it, it just it felt like his season is summed up by injuries. Yeah. I just feel like whenever Sumner looked like he got it going, there was some injury that would take him out. And people got to remember when the season first started, it was Sumner ahead of Aaron Holiday, and then when Sumner got hurt. He never really got that job back. Aaron Holiday became a fixture in the lineup. It felt like Sumner was always trying to play catch-up and for a a large portion of the season wasn't playing at all. So he had a a couple moments here and there that you really rooted for. Like at the end of the season, he dropped 17 points, very similar against the Rockets, very similar to what he did the previous year in the last game of the season against the Hawks. So you know the talent's there. It's just a matter of being healthy. I feel like he's got to put on a little bit of weight to maybe beef up a little bit more. He has to work on some three-point shooting. You can't be like a career 25% three-point shooter. So with that, I expected a bigger year from Edmund Sumner. I love the fact that the Pacers locked him up to a team-friendly deal that also you know gave him some some guaranteed money early on his year, but I, I early in his career. But I expect more, and for that. I'm going to give him between a C to a C plus. I, I'm going to settle on a C. Yeah, so I was going to give Edmund Sumner a C plus because I felt like, he, you know, he he was really far down the depth chart for this team, and when he had the opportunities to prove himself, he played pretty well. And yeah. it was unfortunate that he got injured. I mean, you can't really control that in a sense, but you know, Edmund has had injury problems going into college, like you mentioned. I, I, I will say this. The one thing I like about Edmund Sumner is when he plays with the starters or with when he comes in and plays his bench role like he did in the playoffs, he understands his role. He's not someone that's going to be looking for shots. We talked about Aaron Holiday a little bit. Sometimes he can be a guy that's hunting shots. Edmund does not hunt shots. I mean, if he's got an open three and no one's within 20 feet of him, he'll take it. He's He's terrific at getting out in transition and getting those quick fast break buckets. He's so fast. He's so lengthy. And he's real slender, so he's able to get around those difficult screens and stay with shooters. But at that same point, you know, if he never gets injured, I think he's a really special player in today's NBA. But I just feel like with his inability to be a consistent three-point shooter playing that wing position, 
he's got limitations. He's not strong enough to really finish through contact, but what he can do is he can provide you length on the defensive end, and he can get out and transition and play an up-tempo type of game. So I, I like Edmund Sumner as a prospect. I still think that he's going to continue to get better, but I just don't know what his ceiling is as a player. I don't know how him and Aaron work together. They might be good together, but I would be kind of, it'd be kind of hard to figure them out. I just don't know if you can rely on him enough to get you the points you need off the bench. But I do think that he's good, and a lot of people like him that I've seen on NBA Twitter, very fascinated by some of the things he does. So, yeah, I think this year's great. I'm going to give him a C plus, just because I feel like great effort by him, was a great team player, was always ready when he was called upon, and unfortunately got some injuries. But what he does is he provides a spark that this team needed multiple times this year. Definitely. I mean, he's versatile. He could play positions, you know, one through three. I think that it's kind of hard for him to, at times, go from just not playing at all to then trying to play, you know, some meaningful minutes or contribute meaningful stats. So I feel like, man, he might be someone that benefits on another team getting extensive playing time and being able to play through some of those things. Because we've seen some Sumner where he'll come out and just be, you know, just come out flat basically and then we've seen games where he's come out and looked really good um it just feels like the part of that comes with getting consistent playing time and this year it it was really hard because i felt like he would get hurt at just the wrong time so for that i mean yeah there's nothing you could really do about that you obviously hope that he can stay healthy but for for now I, i did have higher expectations injuries unfortunately stopped that and uh like i mentioned sometimes you just can't do anything about that Right, right, right. You can't. So, well, let's move on. You want to go to Jeremy Lamb next? I do. All right. So, you want to kick this one off or you want me to? Well, do you have stats ready? Because I don't have stats ready right now. You know I got stats. I broke out my shovel and I dug them up. (laughs) All right. So, my man, Jeremy Lamb. I was so high on Jeremy Lamb coming into uh, this upcoming season that just happened. Um, You know, coming off a career year with Charlotte. Signed a very reasonable deal at about eleven million per year. That's about eleven or twelve. Um, you know, averaged twelve and a half points on the season, four point three rebounds, a little over two assists, a career high one point two steals. So, give him credit there. Um, I felt like he was someone who we knew was going to start for Vic, and then when Vic came back, he would be our sixth man. And I was so high on the idea that I felt like. He could be a six-man of the year if he was a six-man, you know, to start the year and go through it. Uh, Jeremy Lamb battled battled some injuries in the beginning. He actually only played 46, uh, 46 games. He started 42 of them. Obviously, his season was cut short with the torn ACL. But to start his Pacers career, he scored in double figures in his first 15 games. He was averaging 17 points through November. I loved what I was seeing. Uh, and then the the, the production kind of dipped off a little bit, whether it was various injuries, like he had a groin injury, a sprained ankle. Um, slowly, his field goal percentage started to go down a bit, but I felt like he was someone who you knew, hey, he's going to be valuable once we get a healthy Vic. He'll shore up the second unit. Three-point percentage did take a hit. We're talking about someone from Charlotte who was hitting 37% of his threes and then 35 just a year ago. Well, that, those numbers were below 32 Last year, so like I mentioned, some of the improvements was the the increase in steals per game. But one little uh, one little fact that I saw that I got to bring up: Pacers.com. Shout out to them in the 63 minutes together. This five man lineup 
of Jeremy Lamb, TJ McConnell, Justin Holiday, and Doug McDermott, like I mentioned, the bench unit with Lamb as a premier scoring option, were outscoring opponents by 17.9 points per game. That's the wow. best net rating of any Pacer lineup that had 50 or more minutes together. So that's what I envisioned him as, a scorer in the second unit. And we really didn't get to see that too much. Right when Vic came back, pretty much uh, Jeremy Lamb went down. So it was a shame. I'm going to give him a B, more of like an incomplete season. But there was there were some good moments, some bad moments. Uh, a B feels very reasonable for someone who had their season cut short. Yeah, and I think one other thing too, Foch, is we forgot T.J. Warren went down for about seven games there when Victor got healthy. And, and that's where Lamb had to start before he went to the bench. And um, I think the Raptors game is where he ended up getting out for the season. So, yeah, it was really frustrating because injuries kind of were the thing this year for the Pacers. And it really felt so on in the backcourt. The point guards got hurt a lot. The wings got hurt a lot. It was really frustrating. But I will say this. I, I like Jeremy Lamb a lot. And I think one thing that we saw in the playoffs with what we missed was somebody that can get the ball in the hoop. Someone that can just be another scorer for you. The bench was awful without him. They had nobody to generate any offense. And that would have also given some of those other guys rest. Like a T.J. Warren, like a Malcolm Brogdon, like a Victor Oladipo. Someone that's still trying to get back into playing 35 plus minutes a game. So Jeremy Lamb is a really good basketball player. He makes a lot of really tough shots. I've noticed that throughout his career. It just seems like when there's a tough shot, he makes that one more more so than he does a wide-open three. So Jeremy Lamb is a really nice basketball player. Defensively, he was getting better throughout the season. There were some times where I got frustrated with his defense, but I do think that he got better overall defensively, uh, will continue to get better. Now, how he comes back from the injury is going to be key for the Pacers because I think that his contract is very tradable. And they could mm, use that. Tradable. They could trade him in the offseason if they get the right pieces back or if they need him to like match salaries with a Turner or an Oladipo or them together if they're going for a big trade, big splash type of thing. So, I, I mean, when you talk about Jeremy Lamb, he's a great guy. He came down to the bubble while he was in rehab before returning home. He's a great teammate. The guys really like him. Um, he has hilarious things to say on Instagram. Uh, when he was going live with his Instagram videos all the time. And he didn't give you a whole lot. I noticed that in interviews. He wouldn't give you a whole lot, but sometimes he would give you just something that was really worth you know listening to. But as a basketball player, you know you wish he could have done more for you, but you can't really control injuries. He did a good job filling in for Vic. The, the team really missed him when he wasn't there, but Aaron Holiday played well when, when Jeremy was you know uh, injured as well. So I will, gi- I will give him a solid B- minus this year. Because I think there's plenty of room for growth for, for Jeremy Liam after we sign him to a pretty fair deal. Yeah, no, B- minus is fine. Um, I also just feel like one of the little blessings is due to everything that happened with COVID. I mean, he had his surgery on March 11th. Initially, yeah. it was looking like he was going to miss probably all of, of next season, maybe come back right you know before playoff time. You know, We might be in luck. The Pacers want to play this safely. But maybe, you know, maybe he misses maybe a month or two of the season. I mean, it looks like the season might not start until about January now. So you're talking about it'll have been about 10 months on an ACL. I mean, that's 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 pretty good. I mean, we, we've seen quicker recoveries. We've seen recoveries take about a year. So I do think that we're going to see Jeremy Lamb uh, next season in Pacers uniform getting back to hopefully where, you know, he should have been. One thing I was very encouraged was, 
I do not understand how this guy was dunking like pretty shortly after surgery, whether it was a couple months. But yeah, I mean, we saw him on the court almost immediately, just trying to put up shots. So mm-hmm. I think he's going to be hungry. I think, unfortunately, you know that tr- that contract is very tradable. So you, you never know if maybe he played his last game as a Pacer. But I hope he didn't because there's unfinished business there, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see a healthy Jeremy Lamb. No, for sure. Now I think it's time to move on to the guy we're going to spend most of our podcast talking about, and that is Victor Oladipo. So. Uh, Fudge, I'll let you go ahead and start it out once again. Tell us about Victor Oladipo, and uh, we'll review his season. All right, Vic. So uh, a guy that, you know, he was like what felt like the mayor of Indiana, you know, Mr. This Is My City, you know, our our savior to come in the post-PG-13 era. Well, unfortunately, that injury proved to be far worse than we imagined. Uh, The Pacers did not know when Oladipo was going to come back. It felt like... You know, initially we were thinking maybe, you know, it could be November, could be December. Well, he ends up coming back, you know, in January. I believe it was late January, maybe around like the, the 28th or something right around there. Uh, Vic struggled. It was tough. It, it was really it, – it, it hurt to watch. He only ended up playing in 23 games. That included the playoffs. Um, he had career lows in 14.5 points per game, 2.9 assists. You know, they had him on a minute restriction. He was playing under 28 minutes per game. We did see his production increase um, towards the end of, uh, you know, before COVID happened. You know, that that amazing 27-point game against the Celtics. Um, so he did pick up his averages in uh, playoff time, uh, 17.8 points per game. But it was only over four games and a lost series to the Heat. Um, but we're always going to remember this about Oladipo's season. His season debut against the Bulls, I mean, a brutal shooting performance by him, but he made the biggest shot when it mattered most, that deep three in Chandler Hutchinson's face to force overtime. The Pacers won. Everything was well for, you know, about a day or so, and they started to drop some games. The chemistry was a little bit off. I mean, really just a roller coaster of a season for Vic. Um, unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, it kind of felt like he lost his smile a bit and then when it kind of came down to you know regrouping for the bubble there was a lot of rumblings that Vic didn't want to come back and I know that he didn't feel like himself he didn't look like himself out there I know three million dollars was being angled out there where he wasn't going to get that money but whatever it was whatever happened he came back he played I feel like that that meant a lot that showed a lot to the Pacers the fan base the team everything you could imagine but this was a disastrous of a season for a you know a guy coming off two straight All Star appearances. There's there's no real easy way to to grade him in any way. But I'm gonna have to give him a C plus. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because I, I really want to say that if we would have just not had so much expectations for Vic when he came back, maybe maybe things would have been a little bit different. But I think because of COVID, I think that kind of hurt Victor because you're thinking, well, hey, this guy's had an extra couple months to really prove himself, uh, a couple extra months to show that, hey, he's that dude, right? You know, so you're hoping and, and, and praying, hey, maybe Vic is the guy that can really help this playoff team give us give us a bit of a boost because we knew, like, if Sabonis would have been there, who knows how different things would have been in the playoffs. But what I will say is that Oladipo – he was really struggling from beyond the arc, and 
and during Big the time. beginning beginning of the season too, like when he first came back, we saw that horrific shooting night against Chicago. But he had that moment, that that moment, that game tying three moment, flat footed three, <laughs> pretty much against Chandler Hutchinson. Like you said, you know, not trying to copy your words, but it was just it's so true. It was so special that night was, and so many fans were just like, oh right, you know. Vic is still that clutch guy, and, and we saw it time and time again from previous seasons. Vic hit so many big shots, was never afraid of the moment, and you need that type of player in the playoffs, right? So there's no doubt about it. Victor Oladipo is a very special player, but then you said it. He lost his smile. Things started becoming more about Vic and less about the Pacers, and he he kind of became you know the backseat guy while T.J. Warren was leading this team in the bubble. And I don't know if he was able to handle that. I mean, when he was in Indiana, his first priority was, hey, I'm the guy. That's kind of how we that's how we gave it to him because he earned it right away. But it became it became Brogdon's the leader, and this is TJ Warren's, you know, team in the bubble. And you're gonna have to adjust Vic, figure it out. You know, we, we put a lot of pressure on Vic to to figure things out, but rightfully so. You saw when he tried dribbling the ball how many times he lost it. And it was just, it was frustrating. He was not the same guy. I think the one play that sticks out to me the most, and I probably said it a couple times in here already, so sorry for being redundant, but it's when Oladipo stole the ball in game two, goes up for a dunk, and Jimmy Butler meets him at the rim and blocks him on a fast break. And it was like, man, it was great to see Victor get out there, steal the ball, and go out and try to attempt the dunk. But then when Jimmy Butler blocked him, it kind of showed you, hey, he's lost a little bit. And that's not a knock on him. It's just this injury is a very severe, uh, severe injury. And when Jimmy Butler did that, I don't even think I saw Oladipo try to uh, dunk it again throughout that series. So I don't think I did either. Yeah. So it might have it might have scared him a little bit. Hey, I I might not be the same guy that I once was. And the pressure of being the number one guy in Indiana, you know, without being able to be himself fully, I'm sure that's frustrating, and I'm sure that's weighing a lot on him. Um, as he heads into free agency after this next season. So Vic had a really good year for, for what it's worth, for coming back from that severe, uh, that severe of an injury, that serious of an injury. But I will say that the way he handled coming back, as far as an emotional side of things, it, it took a toll on him a little bit, and I think it knocked him down a little bit. So I'm going to give him just a solid C because I think he could have been a better teammate. And because of his lack of leadership as a teammate and the way he, from what we've heard rumor-wise, that, you know, he had, you know, went out and didn't want to play in the um, in the uh, in the bubble, and basically McMillan had to convince him and persuade him. I mean, the fact they had to do all that just to get him to play, and he was unhappy with the way that T.J. Warren was getting all of the attention. To me, that knocks him down a little bit, and maybe that's being too harsh. But I just, if you're a leader of this team, whether you're scoring 20 points a game or you're scoring 12 points a game. Be the leader and let those guys rise to the to the occasion when it's their turn to rise to the occasion. Oh, definitely. Uh, it just felt like Vic lost his aggressiveness to be able to attack. I mean, when you talked about not really seeing him dunk much, Alex, this was a guy to put in perspective that was in the dunk contest just a couple seasons ago. Mm. I mean, we we really did not see that explosiveness. We I know that he was obviously working on three point shooting while he was hurt. That's pretty much what we saw in a lot of the videos that he was working on, but I felt like he was relying on that way too much for a guy that was not shooting the ball well. So there was a couple different times I pointed out stats where it was like, you know, Vic might have had four made field goals in a game, but basically three of them were coming from the three-point line. 
So there was a lot of times like that where it, it's tough because if he's not going to be you know aggressive like that, it it, it takes away from playmaking. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to see you know a healthy Vic. I feel like going into a big contract year. I mean, you would expect a guy like him would have the biggest chip on his shoulder to you know secure that bag, as everyone says, to to show the world that he's not a fourteen and a half point per game scorer. That he is the guy that a few years ago was averaging close to twenty four points per game. So I'm excited to see what's in the future. I you know will it still be in a Pacers uniform at this point? Nobody knows. But there's a lot of questions. They need to be answered, and at this moment, we don't have those answers. That's that's for sure. No, we don't. And, I mean, if you look forward with Oladipo, I mean, you can hope that he's going to have to put a lot of work in this this next season to prove that he is worthy of a contract. And it's not just for the Pacers. It's for other teams. I mean, look at Miami. That's a team that's been really heavily rumored to like him and Giannis. But if – if those two guys, you know, if, if if the Heat have really good success and they're already in the freaking NBA Finals for crying out loud, it, it, I mean, I know the bubble's different, but I'm just saying like they've had some really good success and their their guys are pretty young, built around Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic. They have a lot of young pieces there, and Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, guys that play Vic's position. You know, if he doesn't prove that hey he can be a little bit you know better than them or at that same level. Of a, of, a, of a 15 top 15 top 20 player then why are they going to pay him so he's got to make sure that he makes an investment in himself if he decides that hey he wants a trade or whatever but he's going to have to come back this year and prove hey i can be the victor oladipo of old if he wants to get that if one wants to get that big payday completely agree when you're talking about the miami heat the team that had been linked to vic just so strongly you know right around when we were playing them in the playoffs if you're miami why would you want to go out there and, and risk it all for Oladipo. I mean, if he's looking for a contract that it could be, you know, a, a, it's obviously a max deal for what he's able to get. I don't know. I mean, Miami still needs to pay Bam. You know, they have some other stuff going on. They're holding out for Giannis. I don't think that that would be the smart move. So I don't know if Miami's still going to be in there. You know, you can't tell Miami Heat fans that because they're going to crop a Heat jersey on him regardless. Yeah. So, you know, it just it's just all a wait and see to see who's in the market and who has the money to, to make that work. And obviously, if, if Oladipo can return to the player he was before. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, everybody, the moment, the segment you've been waiting for, the fake Oladipo trade ideas coming at you. Well, they're not fake, but they are trade ideas, but they're not real trades. So trade ideas for Victor Oladipo when we come back. Hold on. We'll be right back. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Mike Foxy here. And while the Pacer season may be done, winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means Survivor, Super Contest, and Squares. At my bookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and your props with your feet up, counting this money. Rejoice. Because it's time to celebrate the NFL season, which is nearly upon us. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. Yes, I said up to $1,000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make 
is waiting for you at my bookie with a chance to win big. I'm talking, it's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect that cash, and you're going to use promo code OVERTIME and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins, no, 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 not next week, not tomorrow, but today, only at my bookie. And overtime is going all in for our listeners. We're giving away $500 cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer. And when you make your deposit, take a screenshot of your MyBookie account and email it over to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. That's C-A-S-T dot com. $500 will be given away at the end of September. So, why would you want to place a bet with anyone other than my bookie? And at the end of the day, let's go Pacers. Alright everybody, we're back and we are here to talk about Victor Oladipo trade ideas. Yes, your favorite part of this podcast where we throw out different trade ideas and see if you guys like them or dislike them. But we got to be honest with you. Some of the ideas you've been throwing at us, Flash, on social media have been very unrealistic. Oh, yeah. I mean, you really never know what you're going to get. For every good trade there is uh, for the Pacers, there's always a trade like, what if we trade for LeBron or Luka? And those trades, they're not happening, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think that those players are coming to the Pacers for anything, to be honest. Right. And I think some of those are just people being trolls <laughs> because oh, it's, it's Twitter. But I will say this, like some, like I've gotten some people saying, hey, what do you think about Michael Porter Jr. for the Pacers? Michael Porter Jr. is not going anywhere. Denver's not giving up Michael Porter Jr. for a one-year rental of Victor Oladipo. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. So let's get into this spot. You want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, you kick it off. Okay, well, I might be stealing some of your thunder here because I know you mentioned Karis LeVert earlier before we started. So if you have one that involves Karis LeVert, maybe throw yours right after mine, but Mine, for the Pacers, is a straight-up trade between the Nets and the Pacers. Indiana gets Karis LeVert. The Nets get Victor Oladipo straight up. So, yeah, I mean, that, that'll that be interesting. Um, I know there is a little bit of salary difference between them, only about $4 million. Um, I'm sure that, that they can make that work, you know, whether you need to include another piece or so. But regardless, that's a trade I'm doing uh, because – a, for the Nets, you get a win-now player in Oladipo if you are trying to go all-in and win the championship next year, which anytime you have Kevin Durant you and Kyrie Irving, you need to be a win-now team. So I, I could see why they would want to do that. For the Pacers, you're getting a younger shooting guard on a you know who's signed for the next few years. It's a three-year, $52.5 million deal, so it breaks down to roughly $17.5 million in today's market for an up-and-coming player. Like Levert, I love it. So yeah. I, I'm definitely intrigued by that deal. Um, I'm signing on for that. Yeah. Do you want to hear? Uh, do you want to hear my Levert deal? Yeah, let's hear your Levert deal and then compare the two. Sure, sure. So my Levert deal, uh, just to spice things up a little bit, make the salaries work completely. You know, we have Levert as well as Torian Prince for Victor Oladipo and Doug McDermott. Okay. So. In this instance, I feel like, you know, why would you not want another three-point shooter if you're the Nets where you get a guy, a distributor like Kyrie Irving and you got Kevin Durant on that team? You know, I want Levert, like I mentioned before. Torian Prince, 
solid player. His contract is, you know, it, it's not great. It's, uh, I believe it's about $15 million a year. So, you know, I do like your trade better there, but I did want to make sure that these, these trades matched up. Um, so over there, I feel like Prince would add to the depth. He could play the three. He could play the four. Levert could play the two. He could play the three. Even play some of the one, but... You know we don't need we don't need to put about point guard, but he did uh, handle a lot of the ball you know ball handling responsibilities with Kyrie out um, and McDermott at this point I I just I'm ready to move on I really am yeah yeah well I mean I I kind of understand that that point of view but I will tell you this this trade actually does work that I gave you as far as salary goes now I understand it's four point seven million dollars difference but there are a lot of different cap holds and things like that that impact the cap so. The, pay, the 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 Nets could go over the salary there in in a, and absorb Oladipo's contract because they have a different exceptions that they could they could make that work. So the straight up trade does work. Now, as far as giving up Doug, giving up Doug McDermott, well, the Nets definitely already have in their plans to re-sign Joe Harris. So, if, and I if I remember right, Bobby Marks said that both Joe Harris and Doug McDermott have the exact same agent. So it'd be kind of interesting to see both those guys in the, on the same team together because I don't think that they wanna, would want to take away from one another's touches and, and help them get more more looks. So I, I don't like Torian Prince. I think he's kind of a fraud. So even though he's kind of got some potential, uh, nah, I'm, I'm cool. I would almost rather just do like um, if you're trying to get the salaries to match up, like do Karis LeVert and like Rodian Skurugs or something like that where we take another small contract back. But, yeah, I mean – I don't want to give up McDermott either because if you think about the outside three-point threats that we have, we don't have a ton, and I think the Pacers really have to improve in that area. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. I mean, I definitely like the deal um, that you mentioned of just Levert for Oladipo straight up. Um, I felt like what would help Brooklyn make that deal is getting off that Prince contract. Yeah. Because you know they're going to want to be more aggressive and sign some other guys to, to build the championship roster. So I felt like that was the enticing part for them. If you're going to do Oladipo with Levert, there's still the question, will Oladipo re-sign there? Do they want to just blow their whole load on Oladipo? Can you really give him a max deal as a third guy? So that was more my thinking of this will convince Brooklyn to do this without having to include picks of the sort. And obviously I felt like why wouldn't they want another shooter? So I like your trade for the Pacers. I think my trade might have benefited the Nets more in terms of being like realistic to why they would want to do this deal. Yeah, and I think you know you said no picks, but I really think that if you're going to take Torian Prince's contract off the books for the Nets, then they have to give their first round pick up next year, and I think they'd be more than willing to do that. Just for I the simple, so. just for the simple fact, like hey, they're that's going to be a late twenties pick. It's not going to have that much value. Oh, yeah. But 2021 is rumored to possibly having the high school students in it. So, you know, that could be another thing that's nice for the Pacers. And then if they decide they don't want to keep it, they could still trade it too. So the Pacers would get an ass at the trade. So I like that. But let's move on. We're about six minutes in here to these trade talks. So we got two trades for you. I got another one here for you, Fachi. And this one is not sexy at all. And people might actually throw up when they hear it. But I just think you have to consider Oladipo's value. And I'm trading Oladipo to the Nuggets, and who I'm getting back is Gary Harris, who played really well in the playoffs as a defender, and I'm going out and getting Torrey Craig as well. And I know fans might be like, man, Torrey Craig and Gary Harris for Oladipo, but I'm just going to tell you, Oladipo, with him saying he wants out, 
and, and all these rumors flying around, the leverage is not going to be there for the Pacers. So they're going to get cents on the dollar, cents on the dollar. So I think the Pacers are a competitive team. They're not going to tank. And I think Gary Harris from Indiana is an intriguing guy because he would fit in well, I think, defensively with this, with the way the Pacers play. And I've always liked Torrey Craig. Uh, not a great player, but I think he's a solid role player. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's got to be, you know, in one of these trades, there's got to be someone with a tie to Indiana. It just always happens. Gary <laughs> Harris seems to be that guy. But, no, in, in all honesty, I did want Gary Harris in free agency a few years ago. I actually thought it was – pretty likely that the Pacers were going to get him, but the Nuggets came in with the deal higher than what I thought they were going to offer. So I get it. He did play some great defense, you know, in the conference finals just now. Um, Torrey Craig, another, another solid player. Um, you know, I, I like, I like the trade in terms of what you mentioned before guys, Victor Oladipo's value is not what it used to be. We need to get that across. I mean, I have a lot of casual NBA fans sending me the article when Oladipo, you know, with the comments, and I was like, guys, come on, he's not, he's not the same player he was two years ago. Plus, he's entering a contract year, so every team is going to say that there's a risk in terms of if he resigns or not. Gary Harris and Torrey Craig, I felt like I don't, I'm not going to compare them to Oladipo and Sabonis in terms of you know the package ended up being a lot better than it was. But those two players would definitely help the Pacers out. So that's not my first trade that I have in mind. But if if all other offers fall through, it's not a bad trade. No, it's 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 not a bad trade. I think it helps you in a sense. And if the Pacers decide, hey, we want to play small, well, then you can throw Jeremy Lamb into the lineup with with Gary Harris. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, T.J. Warren, DeMontis Sabonis, and you still have enough shot creators out there that Gary Harris isn't like just a, a, a crazy liability. I, I think that he's still a, a good basketball player, and I think sometimes we forget that. Like Defense is really important, and Victor Oladipo was a horrible defender this year. Let's just be honest. His defense was awful. We probably weren't mean enough on it when we were doing our player reviews. So I really believe that, that Gary Harris is a, is a step above Oladipo right now defensively, and they're both six foot four. I just think Gary Harris is a guy that has no problem being that third third level guy, that fourth level guy. I mean, look at this last run by the Nuggets. I mean, they made it to the Western Conference Finals. He was a huge part in in guarding Donovan Mitchell in that first round. Uh, when he came back a couple games later, once they were down three one. So yeah, Gary Harris to me is a lot better than people give him credit for because he's good on the defensive end, not on the offensive end, where everybody always seems to give more praise because Michael Porter Jr., as good as he was offensively, he was a liability defensively this playoffs, and that's why he didn't play a ton of minutes in, in the last round because he couldn't guard he couldn't guard anybody. No, he couldn't. And maybe he could develop into a better defender. He definitely like has all the, you know, the, the measurements <laughs> that you want in that. Yeah. But you know, Gary Harris, he is making about two years forty million remaining on the deal, so it's not great. But like I mentioned before, you know, everybody thought there was going to be these unbelievable deals for Paul George, and apparently the Celtics were were offering, you know, pennies on the dollar. You know, everybody thought they were going to be offering, like, Jalen Brown and, you know, or maybe, like, Tatum in a pick, and instead, you know, the deals really weren't good. So Mm -hmm. that might be a realistic deal that's out there for the Pacers, so we have to be ready for something like that. Absolutely, Fach. Well, what's your next trade? So moving over to my next trade – one guy that, that, that I really want, I've been vocal about that, and then another guy that pretty much every Pacer fan wants. So this deal is going to go with involving the New Orleans Pelicans. Okay. And it's going to be Victor Oladipo, 
Jeremy Lamb and Doug McDermott for Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick on his expiring deal. So (laughs) I had to crop J.J. Redick in there somewhere. I just feel like that's the three-point shooter these these Pacer fans deserve. Now, for the Pelicans, you're getting McDermott at a cheaper rate, you know, almost half. Both are on expiring deals. You're getting Jeremy Lamb, who, you know, like I said, it's going to take some time to rehab, but that contract is very favorable. And then you're getting Oladipo for one year instead of the two years remaining on Drew Holiday. Mm -hmm. This is a team that has to pay Brandon Ingram, and and they will. And then you're also going to have Lonzo Ball up for a contract. So what are you going to do? Are you going to be able to pay both of them? I don't know. So if Oladipo doesn't re-sign, then you save money. If he does, then all right, great, you got him there. So I felt like for, for the Pelicans, you're saving money. You know, maybe in this situation, there probably would have to be maybe a pick involved. I could see maybe a lottery protected first, maybe two second round picks. But I do think there would have to be something in there. Uh, but for the basis, that's kind of my uh, skeleton of the deal here. And, uh, and when you put it through the trade machine, the Pacers do benefit by three wins. Okay, well, I will say this, Fachi. I think that the Pacers would benefit more than three wins in this trade. I think the Pacers win this trade slam dunk, and I don't think the Pelicans do it. And I'm going to tell I you agree. why. And I, and I think it's because Victor Oladipo is a one-year rental. This team is not yep. in, the, in, the pro, in the process of looking for a one-year re- re- rental. This is a team that I think makes more sense to trade a guy like Miles Turner to because Miles Turner still has three years left on his deal, right? So, And, and he fits better next to Zion. Then I think you know right now Drew is better than Victor Oladipo, so you're downgrading there. Oh, yeah. You might be upgrading by getting, obviously, Jeremy Lamb and McDermott for for J.J. Redick, whatever. But I, I will say this, player-wise, it probably is a pretty fair trade. But as far as fit goes, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Pelicans. I, I think that you could probably figure out a way to get Drew to Indiana if if you traded Miles Turner and maybe packaged him with, you know, like you said, Jeremy Lamb and got something back. But I just, to me personally, I just, I'm worried that there's going to be other teams out there that trade for Drew that have more to give than the Pacers do. So that could make him very hard to get, which would drive his dollar up even more and his value up even more, which means the Pacers might have to get rid of somebody they don't want to get rid of. And and to me, it's like, as much as I really like Drew Holiday, I'm not going to trade two or three of my assets just to get him for no. a couple of years, especially if I don't think my team is going to win a championship. There's no reason to do that. So like the players, don't think the deal goes through, though. Yeah, that's why I had to throw in, you know, potentially a lottery protected first round pick. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, the Pel- the Pelicans right now, a boatload of young talent on that team. So many, so many young guys that you know they need to be able to work in there. So if Vic didn't resign, which I don't think he would, at least they they get out from you know basically the fifty plus million owed to Drew Holiday moving forward. However, you know I, I don't blame you right there. That it's definitely a trade that benefits the Pacers. If you do have to include that first-round pick, maybe the Pelicans are on board, but I wouldn't be surprised if they turned it down either. Yeah, well, I'm going to go to my next trade here, Fachi. And uh, Victor Oladipo has sang about this city in the state before, and that's New York, New York. So heading to your hometown, the New York Knicks, is Victor Oladipo. And I'm going to tell you, this Pacers trade is pretty gross if you hear back what the return is player-wise. But the, the players coming back are Reggie Bullock, and Bobby Portis. And if you think about that, you're like, what the heck? But here's where it gets interesting. 
You're also going to get the 2020 first round pick this year, which is the eighth overall pick. You're going to get Dallas's next uh, Dallas's pick, number one pick next year, and you're going to get Charlotte's second round pick for next year. So you're going to get three picks with an expiring contract in Bobby Porter and an, an expiring contract in Reggie Bullock for Victor Oladipo. So Faji, I like this idea because I don't think the, the Knicks have anything that you want to keep. Like Julius Randle has two years left on his deal. That's one year too many for me. I, I actually think Bobby Portis could be a serviceable backup. Same with Reggie Bullock. I mean, especially if Justin Holiday leaves, I think Bullock can play that backup small forward, whatever he needs to do backup wing, whatever they need him to do. But I think getting those three picks gives you a lot of leverage to make some more moves. Love the picks, hate the players, but I do not think that the Knicks are going to offer the Dallas pick and the eighth overall pick. They have, they have fumbled for about the last 20 years of trying to do these quick fixes and bandage things up to the point where I finally think that they're going to try and be a little bit patient. Dude, this is the Knicks. This is the Knicks. I, I know. I you know. Can, I every know, year, if they if they have a star like Victor Oladipo knocking on their door saying, hey, I want to come here because he has connections with that front office. Uh, don't forget that, Fachi. If they realize, hey, we only have to give up Portis and Bullock and only one of our picks. We're giving out two other picks that we acquired via trade. They only have to give up this year's pick, which is a – for themselves in the next pick, the 2020 pick, which is in a bad draft, and they fell down to eighth. They've had terrible luck with the eighth pick. I really think they would do this. I would love to get my hands on a top 10 pick. This is not the draft for that, but at the same point, the Pacers haven't picked past 10 in forever. I mean, the Paul George, you know, at 10th overall, 2010, um, you know, it, it's it's been a while. So if the, you could inject some actual youth into this team, I would love it. But I just feel like the fact that the Knicks finally brought in, you know, they brought in Leon Rose, new, you know, in the front office. Uh, you know, you obviously brought in Thibodeau. I feel like it wouldn't make much sense to just all of a sudden scrape kind of some of the, the the assets that you have in terms of those picks for that. Because, I mean, they treated Porzingis for two first-round picks and a, a bunch of uh, subpar players. To trade one of those picks and then do it for Oladipo just feels like you're continuously, continuously trying to just put a Band-Aid over a, you know, a, a gunshot wound, basically. So I'd be surprised if the Knicks can do that. If the Pacers can can go out and acquire two first-round picks and that Charlotte pick, which is like the 32nd overall pick, maybe, I mean, you got to do that. that. That's a boatload of young assets to be able to to give your next head coach, and, and, and I would like to do that. But, man, I don't, I don't think the Knicks do that. If you can convince them to do it because they are the Knicks, then maybe I'm wrong. I think you are. And I will say this because, not because I came up with this, but when I was doing this, I, I'm trying to find out if I can pull it back up because I, I didn't save it. I just took a screenshot of it. So let me see if I can pull it back up. But I'm telling you, Fotch, there was about – there was about I think the Knicks have like the, like seven or eight different picks for the next couple of years. So let me see real quick. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and do this. We're just gonna play around here for a second. But the Knicks have so many picks it's ridiculous. So let's look here. Um where are their picks? Nineteen picks. So and this year's draft they have three picks. And next year's draft they have five picks, two seconds, three first, and they have two first in this year's draft. So that's why I think with all those picks, they're going to be willing to part with two first-round picks in a second when they already have. Uh, that would be one, 
two, three. That'd be three more first round picks they'd have in the next three year, in the next two years, and, and two of those would be next year, uh, coming from the Clippers. So because they traded away Marquise, uh, Marcus Morris for him, so yeah, that's that's why I think it's a very p- possible deal because of the numerous amount of picks they have. Well, hey, it'd definitely be interesting. I mean, I, I think we've heard the Knicks and Oladipo linked before. So I feel like that is a team that assuming he's 85% of what he used to be, I feel like that is a team that's been dying to hand out a max contract to a reputable player. So it could have some legs. Uh, if, if we can get the eighth overall pick and another first round pick and a very high second round pick, that is huge for a player that could easily walk in the off season. So, I, th- I think uh, it makes sense, though. I think it makes sense for both sides. It does. And ironically, for my next trade, I have those same New York Knicks involved getting Victor Oladipo. So <laughs> here's what we got here. The players, like you mentioned, some of them are a little gross, but there is uh, a little bit of a, the meat of the deal there that I think Pacer fans are going to like. So in this deal, the Pacers, they're giving up some players. Not going to lie. It. it There's going to be a little bit of a wow factor, but the Pacers are dealing Victor Oladipo to the Knicks. Miles Turner and Doug McDermott are going to the Kings. Okay, three-team trade. Three-team trade. Kevin Knox is also going to the Kings. So the Kings are getting Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and Kevin Knox, and the Pacers are getting Buddy Heald. I'm going to butcher his first name. Nemanja Balika. Oh, I got you. Bielitsa. 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 Yeah, Bielitsa. Wayne Ellington and Taj Gibson. So here's what you got there. Wayne Ellington, you get a three-point shooter on an affordable deal. He's making about $4 million per year. Um, He was making about $8 million per year. Um, He'll have one year left. Taj Gibson, a veteran, at about $9 million. So you got your veteran center, you know, who could play your your Al Jefferson-type role. Uh, I mean, even Al Jefferson was making, uh, you know, right around that same amount of money. Bielika, I uh, never pronounced that name. Good, solid power forward right there. You know, honestly, someone who I, I like his game. He he can hit the three. He's a career forty percent three point shooter. Um, rebounding wise, you know, he's given you the same amount of rebounds Miles Turner's given uh, on a much more affordable deal. He's making six point eight million. And then you got Buddy Heald, someone who I would really like to add to the Pacers, a shooting guard that can replace Vic right there. So. You're getting a few a few pieces that aren't in the future plans, like Wayne Ellington, Taj Gibson, but you're also getting some players that can compete right now. Obviously, you're giving up Miles Turner, who I think that the Kings would covet. You could pair him right next to Marvin Bagley. Uh, you're getting Doug McDermott for three-point shooting. You're still rolling dice on Kevin Knox, who has not lived up to his <laughs> draft stock um, uh-huh. at all, and I think the Knicks are also getting ready to part with him. Um, I feel like Sacramento is a place where he could develop some playing time. And the Knicks get Victor Oladipo. All right, so just to kind of recap my recap that real quick for the Pacers. They get Buddy Heald, Bielitsa. Um, who are the other guys that got in that trade? Wayne Ellington and Taj Gibson. Okay, I like Taj Gibson as a backup. I think he makes sense, yeah. but he's old. So I will say this: I, right, right, right. So I mean, I'm not saying that he's that big of a deal. What I what I think the problem here is for me is I I can't see Sacramento giving up Bielitsa. And I know that might be a bit shocking, but I would just be kind of surprised if they did because he played pretty well for them. 
And he's a stretch four. I know that it's not the other Bogdanovich who has taken away some of the minutes from from the Kings because you got to think if they're already giving up Buddy Heald, you know, who would they rather have? Would they rather have Bielitsa, Doug McDermott? I'm not sure, but I think Bielitsa can play the four a little bit more, so that gives them that stretch presence. I don't think it's a bad trade. It's a lot of move. It's a lot of pieces. And I think I think when you get into like multiple pieces being moved, that's where it gets real difficult. But I mean, the Knicks are giving up basically nothing to get Oladipo, so they're going to win in this trade because even exactly. if they're just even if I they're think, just getting off the these contracts, yeah. I mean, if they're just if they're just if they're just basically getting rid of contracts to get Oladipo for one year, I mean that helps them in the long run because they're getting off these bad contracts. Pacers get Buddy Hill makes sense. Kings get Miles Turner. It's really not as bad as I mean, I thought it sounded at first. But yeah, I just I don't know. It's uh it's an intriguing trade. Wayne Ellington's a really decent basketball player as well. He's not bad. I, I think what what we talked about before with the Knicks having that many picks, it could be the Dallas pick goes to Sacramento yeah. over there just to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit. And I think you know we're still if you're the Knicks, I mean they're still agreeing to Knox, Taj Gibson, Wayne Ellington, and the Mavs pick to land Oladipo. I mean, yeah. you're you're unloading, you know, a bunch of so-so deals right there for Oladipo. I think that they're going to do that trade just about ten out of ten times. Yeah, I think I'd almost rather just keep McDermott and drop the other two, uh, drop one of Ellington or Gibson, and mm-hmm. and maybe just not have as many pieces involved. But no, I like where you're heading there because it's funny. I did a I did a Buddy Hill three team trade as well, Foch. But it's not with the, it's not with the Knicks. It's with the Celtics, and so okay. this trade only involved four players, so it's a little bit more basic. But the Sacramento Kings are going to get Gordon Hayward straight up after he opts into his contract. The Pacers are going to get Buddy Heald, who wants out of Sacramento, and then the Celtics are going to get Victor Oladipo and Corey Joseph, former Indiana Pacer. And Corey Joseph just seems like a really you know like a Celtics backup point guard type of player. A very capable guy, good defender, and I think he would really gel with that group. Being with Oladipo already for a couple years before that, they probably already have some type of chemistry, which would help the locker room. And the Pacers get their guy and Buddy Heald, and the Kings get Gordon Hayward, someone that I think they could really help as as a you know a veteran voice with their young team because they really need a veteran. And I mean, maybe you throw in a pick there to to help them out a little bit since they're giving up a young asset like Buddy Heald. But I think that pick's got to come from the Kings or from the Celtics because the Celtics, like you know Jared Weiss said, they've got a slew of picks to give up. So I think it makes more sense for the Kings uh, to get a pick from the Celtics and the Pacers. Repeat, repeat some of those options again. There's a few different moving parts there. So, so the Pacers are going to get Buddy Hield. Kings are going to yep. get Gordon Hayward and a, a pick from the Celtics, possibly if they want one. So there's that's negotiable. And the Celtics are going to get Victor Oladipo and Corey Joseph. So it's definitely interesting. I feel that there is the smallest chance in the world that Gordon Hayward would re-sign with the Kings. So, Well, he's got a player option, so he's going to opt into that for well, one year. He, he's opting into that, definitely. But yeah. long term, I just do not think – Sacramento, how many people have re-signed with them? I feel like it's – it's few, and even some of those that re-sign, I mean, they, they want out, like Buddy Heald. So I just feel like they're, they've are they struggled for just so long to the point where a guy like Gordon Hayward, I just don't think that he re-signs there. So I do think it's pretty risky um, for them. 
I, I know, obviously, you know, Corey Joseph, I'm sure there's a little bit of a, you know, being able to get off that like $24 million remaining, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think would probably be pretty interesting to them. But man, I just, I think it would, they, it would be so risky for them to want to trade for Gordon Hayward in a year where you're, you're probably not, I mean, I would say safely, you're not going to be a playoff team. So it just seems a little too risky for them to give up well, Buddy Heal in the deal. Let me also just throw this out there because what's more, and what's more attractive than expiring contracts in the NBA? Not a lot. Thirty-four yeah. million dollars at an expiring contract. The Kings can move that, and you know the Kings if they get a pick from the Celtics, there will be a team out there that convinces themselves that Gordon Hayward is worth that money and, and could be worth that extra piece on their team next year. There's no doubt about it. Which could also go into the Kings getting multiple assets for Gordon Hayward. So that's no, that's that, why I like that's that. That's always trade. an option. Always an option. But Don't underestimate the power times, of an expiring contract is what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. But how many times do you make a move to then just make another move in the same season? I I get it. I get it. But, you know, it, it's it's a risk. And a team like Sacramento, I don't know how many risks they should be taking because – I, I don't even know who's resigning there. Well, the fact that Harrison Barnes resigned was strictly because they were probably going to be overpaying by about twenty million dollars. Well, let me just make this last real quick point for the Kings because the Kings want to make the playoffs. They're going to sign De'Aaron Fox more than likely to a big contract. They, they got will. Mar. They got Marvin Bagley. They've got Bo, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. They need a veteran there, and I and I said that previously. I know, but I think Gordon Hayward is a great veteran to put with that roster for right now. And and look at how he came in with the Celtics. He does not have to be that primary scorer. He allowed Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, and Jalen Brown to be the primary focal point. He came off the bench the last three games, last four games, whatever it was in that Celtics Heat series. So he has no problem playing off the bench, doing whatever he's asked, if he's going to help that team. And I think the Kings need a leader like that, even if it's just for one year. Because, look, if Gordon Hayward has a good year, they might be willing to pay him more than a lot of other teams will because he ain't going to get $34 million and he anytime soon from anybody i would be shocked if if he gets any kind of deal like that so that's why to me Fosh, i think that the kings would be interested in gordon hayward more so than a guy like miles turner even though miles turner's locked up for more years because they need a scorer a guy that's been there done that before been a part of that western conference that can be a leader i think gordon hayward is that leader and with an expiring contract look at what the grizzlies did with um, look what they do with Andre Iguodala. Didn't play all year. Ended up trading him and Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder and got Justice Winslow a 10th overall pick, someone that they really believe in. There's going to be a team like that that might be willing to trade like Miami and, and give up some young assets for Gordon Hayward to make a title run. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see about that. You know, if I'm the Kings, I'm not making that deal. But, hey, I'm not the Kings, so you never know. Um, for one of my last deals, so I had – I had essentially maybe about two deals that I was going to go with, but uh, one of them, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this one. Okay. So it also involves the Nets. involves Oladipo because we try to keep a consistent theme here. So it's Victor Oladipo going to the Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie and Lance Thomas. So yeah. Dinwiddie, like I mentioned a, a few podcast episodes ago, maybe about a month ago, someone who he's going to be entering his final year. But I, I like I like oh no he just signed a new deal. Um, Dinwiddie is someone who I like. He can play the one. He can play the two. I like his scoring ability over there. I feel like he's someone who's consistently gotten better 
Um, and I feel like this is if they're not willing to give up Levert. So I'm intrigued. Uh, so basically, Dinwiddie has $11.4 million due next year and then a $12 million player option for 2022. I think he probably opts out of that deal. So you'd have to be prepared knowing that. But at the same point, you know, for next season, you're going to have Dinwiddie, you're going to have Lance Thomas um, for what could be absolutely nothing if you let Oladipo walk. So I I really like the Pacers trading with the Nets. It, it makes perfect sense. It and does. If, and if they're unable to get Drew Holiday, that's when I think Victor Oladipo's name becomes more attractive to Brooklyn. And I think that if you can get one of Dinwiddie or um, – Karis Levert, I think that you're in business. So, yeah, who cares about Lance Thomas? He's just a trade. He's just like a LaVoy Allen type of cap filler, right? So it's not that big of a deal. But I actually like that trade, Botch, and I'm I'm intrigued by it for sure. Yeah, I mean, Dinwiddie just feels like someone who is pretty selfless, um, but someone who's also kind of had that chip on his shoulder for a long time. I and mean, we were talking about a guy who was in the G League who really kind of rose and was one of those diamond in the roughs for the Nets when they were just really trying to hang their hat on anyone. So mm-hmm. I feel like he's someone that you know is just a hard worker who is continuously looking to get better. And I feel like it kind of fits what the Pacers have gone after in the past. And I just feel like that's someone who, you know, he could handle some of the point guard duties, allowing uh, Brogdon to play more of like a two-guard role. So there, there's a lot of pros that I think for the Pacers over there. And plus, who's to say that Dinwiddie wouldn't re-sign for the Pacers? No, I mean, if if Dinwiddie fits in well with Brogdon, I think you do it. I just think the Pacers could use another ball handler and other scores. So um, I've got two more trades left that I wanted to talk about. I can go through them quick if you want to hear them. Sure, let's do it. All right, so this one, I, I think I sent both these to you beforehand because I was just interested in your thoughts, but... This first one is a three-team trade between the Bucks, Pacers, and Bulls. Milwaukee is going to go out there and try to find a third star to go with them and Chris Middleton, and they're going to trade for Victor Oladipo. The Chicago Bulls are going to acquire Eric Bledsoe, Dante DiVincenzo, and the Pacers' 2022 first-round pick, and the Pacers are going to go out and get Zach Levine. So I know a lot of people are kind of up and down on Zach Levine, what kind of player is he, but... Like I said, if Victor Oladipo is walking and, and you can get yourself Zach Levine from the Bulls because the Bulls are heading in a new direction and who knows if they want Zach Levine to be their number one guy, they might look to make some moves. And I think, you know, the Bucks more than likely probably want to get off Eric Bledsoe, might not want to give up Dante DiVincenzo, but if they can get Oladipo, pair him with Giannis and in the in the Eastern Conference, maybe they feel like, hey, we got something special here. And if Oladipo, if Oladipo is at his you know peak level, Oladipo, he's much better than Bledsoe or Dante DiVincenzo. So it's worth that trade, and the money matches up almost perfectly. So, what do you think of that trade? So you, this is one trade that you had mentioned to me before. So that's why I didn't want to include Zach Levine in any of the deals because I like the idea of the Pacers acquiring Zach Levine. I feel like he is someone who's super athletic right now, as much of a fringe All Star as they come. This guy is on the cusp, but he will not be rewarded being an all-star on a, a, a losing team. That's just right. how it goes. I mean, you have to have achieved something first in order to get your first all-star bid on a bad team, uh, unless you obviously get in as like the fan vote. Um, for the Bucks, it definitely makes sense trying to make that push for Oladipo in a year where you can get off Bledsoe's contract. DiVincenzo, I feel like they could part with, and you try and appease Giannis. 
Um, when you sent me that trade earlier, I was stunned that the Bulls would increase by 24 wins, losing <laughs> Zach Levine. I, I, that, that sounds pretty crazy. Obviously, Eric Bledsoe is a very good defender. Um, DiVincenzo is still a player who's you know growing in the league. Um, I'm interested if that's that deal. If, if we could do that deal, I'm in. Because you got Levine under contract for an extra year. Um, and also just a player who's continuously getting better, who wants to win badly. Yeah. Badly. Levine knows he is not going to get the respect unless he's playing against the best when it matters most in the playoffs. And it feels like that Devin Booker like situation where you, you just, you're so tired of being left out that I feel like if it's not going to be this year, Zach Levine's getting his way out of Chicago soon. I believe it. Yeah, and it's kind of frustrating because Levine has been knocked for being on really bad teams, putting up good stats. But look at what Oladipo did before he came here. He was with the Magic for a long time, and he was putting up some good numbers, but nobody really heard about him. He goes to OKC for one year, has a decent year, but it was all about Russ that year. So really, who knows how good Zach Levine is? I know he's not the most attractive name out there. A lot of people are throwing out Bradley Beal, Drew Holiday, Buddy Heald. But if those guys aren't available, Zach Levine makes sense. So I think we're on the same page where we like it. And I think that, you know, Eric Bledsoe was a good enough basketball player. We kind of knock on him. But, uh, yeah, so let's move on to the very last one here, Fachi, that I have. It's very similar. Let's just say the Bulls say, you know what, we're not going to do that deal. We want to keep Zach Levine. We think he's a special guy. Pacers are going to call the Orlando Magic up. And I know you're going to make fun of me because you think these are my guys. But it just to me, it's a very Pacery move getting two guys that are going to help them compete if they lose a couple of their players. So heading to the Bucks, Victor Oladipo and everybody's favorite, uh, you know, clerk TJ Lee for the lows. Uh, they're going to the Bucks. TJ Lee, Oladipo going to the Bucks. Going to the Orlando Magic, once again, Eric Bledsoe, Dante DiVincenzo, and then Pacers sharpshooter Doug McDermott is going to go to Orlando. Now heading to the Pacers, you're going to get Terrence Ross and Aaron Gordon. And I understand Aaron Gordon's on the trade market. We talked about that in my last episode with Kent. There's a rumor from Sean Devaney from uh, Forbes.com or The Athletic or somewhere, I forget. Aaron Gordon, the the Magic, have interest in trading him. I think that they'd be more than happy to get off Terrence Ross's big contract. I think having a real point guard in Eric Bledsoe makes sense. Dante DiVincenzo is a young and up-and-coming shooting guard who's played really well in his time in the playoffs with the Bucks, And then they get a sharpshooter in Doug McDermott. So to me, this makes a lot of sense for all three teams. Fachi, do you like or uh, love this trade or hate this trade? <laughs> uh, my first option didn't give me a, any chance other than to love it or like it. But um, <laughs> I, I do like this trade for the Pacers because the depth on this team would be pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, is Aaron Gordon coming off the bench? Because obviously Miles Turner's still there. Um, yeah, and, so, and, what and I, bonus, so what I so what I would do here with Turner – Look, Turner, to me, is still someone that could be traded after this move. So Turner's not involved in this trade. But let's go yeah. back to that Buddy Heald trade, right? If the Pacers could trade, you know, Miles Turner for Buddy Heald straight up, if they could work something out there, whether they give a pick or they throw in Jeremy Lamb and take on, you know, Bielitsa and Buddy Heald, whatever it is, if you could get Buddy Heald in that starting lineup with Aaron Gordon, TJ Warren, Malcolm Brogdon, and Sabonis, and then have Terrence Ross off the bench, preferably with Lamb and Aaron Holiday. That's eight deep that I really feel comfortable in. And then you can stagger Aaron Gordon's minutes. He's not playing a ton of time with Sabonis. That way you could either go with like four guards and TJ Warren at the four or different variations of that. I just think getting another scorer off the bench or two could really help this Pacers team. And then you still have the prospect of signing Justin Holiday 
is a restricted free agent, um, and or not a restricted, but an unrestricted free agent, but using that MLE. Yeah, no, it's definitely intriguing because we just saw how how there was just no firepower on that bench at all come playoff time. So if you could make a team that much deeper, adding like Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, and then obviously if you can work out that other deal for Buddy Heald, you're grabbing a lot of scores, a lot yeah. of scores. And obviously Aaron Gordon, you know, he could defend well. Um, I mean, Terrence Ross has his moments, you know, one of the forgotten guys to drop 50 points in this league. Um, you know, there's a lot of good players involved there that would be coming to the Pacers. And what we all have to remember is Victor Oladipo, the odds of him coming back, there it feels like it's decreasing by the day. TJ Leaf, that ship has sailed. And I do not think the Pacers are going to re-up Doug McDermott. I feel like he's that one player that could easily be on the move, packaging so many deals. So Aaron Gordon, what we've talked about before on the show, his contract lowers by each year that goes on, which actually provides the Pacers some good flexibility. So I like that moving forward. Absolutely. And there's also trades you can make with Terrence Ross's contract only being $13.5 million, Jeremy Lamb's being about 10 or 11 It gives you some wiggle room and some room to play with. And if there's teams that, out, that are out there that want one of those guys, you can make a trade. Or you can lump one of those guys into a Turner trade and get a bigger guy back, a bigger contract back. So really, there's a lot of things you can do with there. But those are our trades, and I hope you guys enjoyed them. Fachi, do you have any final words before we sign off? Hey, guys, just like you, I'm at the edge of my seat wondering what we're going to do with this head coaching decision. I feel like the fact that the Pacers haven't made their decision kind of has you feeling that, you know, those Miami assistant coaches, that they definitely have to be seriously in the running. So, you know, hopefully we'll have some clarity after the NBA Finals. Absolutely. So, everybody, we thank you for listening to this lengthy conversation that we had in this podcast. Sorry it went a little bit longer than normal, but if you have any trade ideas, let us know what you guys think. If you like what we thought or hate what we thought, also hit us up on Twitter at underscore FACCI. I'm at Alex Golden NBA and hit us up at setting the pace three for any and all of your thoughts. But until next time, Pacer Nation, we will talk to you later. Peace out. Let's go Pacers.